What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to the Mountaintop Motivation Podcast. This is Jake Ballantyne, and I'm here with the one and only Paul Fortune. Paul, what's going on, man? Not too much, Jake. I'm excited for our conversation. Yeah, well, to get started, I, I don't really like to do the formal intro. Um, I'd rather have you introduce yourself. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Paul. All right. Well, I'm a coach who helps people rewrite their story, helps take back their pen and write the story they want for themselves, not for anybody else, but for themselves. All through my life, people wanted to take the pen from me and all through my life, I've taken it back. So it's a passion of mine to make sure that everybody writes their own story. They're not on autopilot. They're writing the story they want to live authentically because we only have one life to live. I love that. That's awesome. So Paul, tell me what that, that could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So to you, what does rewriting your story mean? So for me, I had to rewrite my own story. And um, I was born with something called cerebral palsy. And if your viewers don't know what cerebral palsy is, it's lack of oxygen to the brain at labor. And as a result of this lack of oxygen to the brain at labor, it can leave one side of the body paralyzed and this is permanent. This doesn't go away. You have it for life. So when I was born, I wasn't moving the right side of my body very much. And naturally, my mother was very concerned about that. So she got me to the doctors to get some testing done. And it indeed, in, indeed came back that I did suffer from cerebral palsy. And this doctor thought the cerebral palsy was so severe that they thought I, he thought I would never, ever be able to walk. And when I got to a certain age, it would be a good idea to get me ready to be in a wheelchair because that was giving mm. me my life going forward. And I've had wow. conversations with my mom about this uh, years later, um, and she was devastated. She cried herself to sleep that night, wondering what was going to happen to her baby boy. And uh, she told me the next day when she woke up and she was going to get me ready for the day, I gave her a look, a look to say, mom, don't let this be my story. And that mama bear started raging inside of her. And it became her mission, her belief that she was going to do whatever it takes to make sure that her baby boy walked. So she got a second opinion, a third opinion, a fourth opinion, a fifth opinion, finally found a physician willing to help. And with this physician's help and me doing physical therapy five to six times a week and my mom's unrelentless attitude to make sure that I walked, I was able to walk at age three. Now, don't remember any of that because I was only three years old, but I do remember being put into soccer roughly when I was about five or six years old. And at the time I probably could run 25 to 50 yards before my leg would give out. And so basically I'm staying there while these kids are playing soccer around me. And I'll never forget this. Uh, after practice one day, I went to my mom and I said, mom, I don't want to play soccer anymore. This is ridiculous. I'm staying there. And these kids are playing soccer around me. I'm being, making fun of, I don't want to do this. And it stuck what my mom's told me that day because it, it, it's made molded my life to this point right now. She said, Paul, if you don't want to play soccer anymore, that's fine, but you need to honor your commitments. So you need to finish out that soccer season. And if you want to play soccer after that, that's your prerogative. So that's exactly what has happened. I'm 41 years old and I haven't played soccer since I was five or six years old. <laughs> <laughs> but you did it though. And, and, I, have you had conversations with your mom about what it was that was driving her? You know, it's funny is uh, she told me growing up, she was very timid. She was a kind of a shy person. 
and she doesn't know what happened. But when she became a mom and found out that I had this this issue, something came over her that that gave her this confidence she never had before. And she was going to do whatever it took. She would talk to anybody that was willing to help. She didn't care. She wasn't shy anymore. It, it's just kind of changed her life uh, for the better, I, I, I believe. Um, but there's but it, it's just that mama feeling, I guess, that, that came over her when she became a mom. I'm, I'm sure you've had kind of that same feeling in becoming a dad. I'm sure there was a different feeling yeah. that's come over you since you've had your son, Jake. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, I just yeah. think it's so cool. Like when you see like your that's that story of, of your mom just shows like what it is that success comes from. You know, success is not about saying like, well, I'm just going to do it. It's going to work great. And then there it is. Like you mentioned, you were able to walk at three years old, a story that, or an analogy that Tony Robbins says all the time is he says this almost every time he speaks, he says, well, what, what would it, what would you say if your child wasn't able to walk? If, if they hadn't learned how to walk yet, if they fell down, would you just say, well, my kid's not a walker. He says, no, I would, I would have them keep trying until they learned how to walk. Now, that's a story that most people can relate to, especially those who have had children. But like what you're saying is like, your mom literally did that. You literally had that experience where she said, okay, we're going to keep going. We're going to more doctors. We're going to find the right doctor and get to the point until we get to a point to where he is able to walk. And who cares if it's three instead of one? Why does it matter? Who cares? There's no difference. The fact is, is that he's doing it. And I think, I think that like, we're really, when it comes down to it, like when Tony shares that story, he always ends it with, ah, see, here is the formula for success. Is that you keep going, you keep going, you're trying new things, trying new things, trying new things until you get there. And that's what brings us to success. And I'm curious. It's it's hard for you to be able to tell because you were so young, but they say that the first five years of your life are the most influential. How do you think that the rest of your life has been influenced by those first five years and having that example of your mom of not taking not taking no for an answer? I think for me, coming in as hard as it was for me to walk. I think I've had some gratitude that I may not have had if I was able to, to walk at one. So when I, you know, get into business or, or whatever I do, I understand that it, it, it may not be overnight success for me, that I'm going to have to dig in and I'm going to have to give it my all. And I may have to fall and I may have to pick myself up and I may have to fall again. I may pick myself up. So I think it's given me a sense of patience that I may not have had if I didn't go through that at such a young age. Yeah, that makes sense. Now let's keep going with the story. I understand there was a lot of, you know, it didn't just end there. It wasn't just, Hey, cool. I'm able to walk. I'm good. Life is good. Tell us more about the next phases of your, your growing up with cerebral palsies. How do I, I want to make sure I'm saying that right. How do cerebral I say palsy. cerebral palsy? Palsy. Yeah. There we go. Thank you. All right. No problem. So uh, right after that surgery, I got surgery on my right foot and I did not know how big of a, a game changer I was going to be to tighten up the tenant, give me a little bit more spring in my step and take away the pain I was feeling when I would run or walk. Um, and I switched schools around that time. 
And I remember my first day of PE, physical education. We did our stretches and the teacher again says, okay, guys, run a lap. And I'm thinking to myself, here we go again. I'm going to run 25 to 50 yards. I'm going to have to stop. These kids are going to see that and they're going to start to tease me. But because of the surgery was different, I was able to go past that point. And I remember saying to myself, come on, Paul, you got this, buddy. Keep going, keep going. And I finished the lap with the other kids on the outside. I kept it cool, but the inside was like, yes, yes, yes. The first time in my young life where I just fit in, I didn't stand out. I was just one of the other kids. And because of the surgery, things did get easier for me, uh, but they weren't easy. I had to switch schools again when I was about 12 or 13. My parents got divorced, so I had to switch schools, live with my mom in a different city. And that's a tough age to switch schools with no disability, right? They're becoming teenagers. Uh, a lot of these kids have been going to school with each other, together for years and years. They've already developed their cliques, so they don't have time for new kids. Well, I'm a new kid who walks with a limp and holds his right arm differently, so it was mm. even tougher for me. I could not break into the school. Uh, I couldn't get any friends. I'm being bullied and teased in school. Uh, I'm crying myself to sleep most nights. And on top of all this, I was raised Catholic. So my mom wanted me to go to a Catholic high school. So I had to take assessment tests to see where they were going to place me when I got to high school. Well, I, I must have bombed it because when I met with the principal and my mother, uh, the principal tells the both of us they're going to put me at the lowest level possible. And she doesn't expect much from me. I do not seem like I'm college material after one test. So now I think I'm stupid. Plus, I'm bullied into teas in school. I don't know what to do. I don't know what happened, though. But eighth grade, I was just sick and tired of feeling angry and sad all the time. Those were my go-to emotions. But I knew deep down those weren't my go-to emotions. But because of the environment I was in, those were the emotions that were coming up most of the time. And I thought, what could I do to change that? And I thought, what if I set a goal for myself? And at the time, I loved baseball. So I said, what if I tried to make my varsity baseball team in high school? So I started playing fall ball, winter ball, spring ball. And if I wasn't doing that, I was throwing a tennis ball against the wall. And when I was doing that, a coach came up to me and said, Paul, man, you play a lot of baseball. What do you want to do? I don't want to tell him that I wanted to make my varsity baseball team because I thought he was going to laugh at me. Like, that's not doable for you. But he finally got it out of me and he paused and he said, it was doable. And I'm like, what? It's doable? He goes, yeah, it is doable. And he goes, but you got to have other people keep you accountable for your goal. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? He goes, other people need to know so they, they can keep you accountable. So after practice tomorrow, you're going to go in front of the team and tell your team that's your goal. And like, no, 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 no. I do not want to do that. No, 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 no. They're going to laugh at me. He's like, you got to do it, Paul. That's the only way you're going to accomplish this goal. So I said, okay. So I did it. And I was shaking. I, I, I didn't want to do it. And I did it. And I thought they were going to laugh at me, but they didn't. They did not laugh at me. They clapped. And the great thing about this, Jake, I know this now. I didn't know this when I was going through this, but I was starting to send a different energy out towards these kids. I started carrying myself differently and my shoulders back, my head up. I started to have more confidence in myself. And as a result of this new energy I'm sending out to these kids, kids start sending a different energy back towards me. In other words, instead of bullying and teasing me, they start rooting for me. So my high school career was much different than my middle school career, all because of my energy shift, all because of how I carried myself. And that alone is the win. But the cherry on top of the thing was 
I was able to make my varsity baseball team as a junior and a senior. And my senior year, I pitched a three-hit shutout. They poured the Gatorade on me, and I felt so alive. I felt great. I felt great. I, I mean, and, that, and that, that's awesome. Right? That's a big deal, you know, to make make your varsity baseball team, not not only as a senior, but as a junior, too. I mean, in there is something to be said about – I didn't know that, that you made it as a junior. I didn't know yeah, that you did. made it as a junior. I know that you made your varsity baseball team, and that even says a, a – a whole different thing to say you made it as a junior. And the reason why I say that is sometimes they'll move the senior up just because, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. they'll move the senior up just because, Hey, you deserve it. You've been here. We got an extra spot. We're going to do it, but they don't do that at the, as a junior, as a junior, if you're still JV level, you're going to play JV. And like you played at a high school that was a very competitive league. Baseball is not a game that you can make a varsity level if you're not good at it. You know, baseball is not a game that is just um, have a, a, you know, here's a, a warm body. You know, I mean, that that's not that's not how it is. You know, we it's a very skill oriented sport. And so you making it and having a three hit shutout. I mean, that, that's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. Now I played, I played JV and varsity my junior year. I, I did both, but I did play. I did play. Awesome. I did letter as, as a junior. So I, I did get my letter as a, as a junior and it was awesome. I mean, I felt so good. I felt so accomplished and I felt so good with the team, but after I graduated high school, uh, it was, uh, after that, it was pretty much over as far as my baseball career was, was concerned, played a little bit here and there, but uh, as far as getting to that next level, you know, I, I wasn't able, I wasn't able to make that turn, which I know you were able to, but it's, it's, a, it's a different animal from a high school to college. So I had to hang them up. Uh, but um, I really started to think about that goal though, that I set for myself uh, making that varsity baseball team in high school, because when I made that goal, I did not think it was possible. I was only doing that for one reason alone to stop having that, that, that feeling of anger and sadness, that noise that was coming over me all the time. And that it was just something to distract me. That's all it was for, but I was able to do it. So I thought to myself, what that principal said to me years earlier about not being college material, because all through high school, I pretty much mailed it in. I just did enough to stay eligible to play baseball. Um, So I didn't have good grades. So I thought, well, if I could do this, why can't I say that I am college material? So I enrolled into a junior college because that was the only place that would accept me at the time. I got myself a math tutor. I got myself a regular tutor. I went to the math lab. I did everything necessary to increase that grade point average. And I took my barely a 2.0, if not lower, all the way to 3.5, where I was able to transfer to a four-year university and become college material. I so wanted to go back to that principal and say, see, see, you were wrong. I was college material. (laughs) But you know what, Jake? I should probably thank her because in my head, I was hearing her voice constantly saying I wasn't. And I was like, I'm going to show you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be college material. So it, it just, I think it helped me. I mean, I, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have that in my, my, in my voice. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe my, my journey would be different, but it really kept me on track her voice the whole time. That's really cool. I love that. Yeah. I love yeah. seeing, you know, you going from someone who 
really was just starting this because you went, Hey, you know what? I, I want to fit in. I want to make some friends and I love baseball to being a person who's been able to say, well, if I had a goal in one area, I can reach that goal in that next area. You did that in baseball. You did that in college. I know you did that in your career before you moved over here into the, the coaching world. But uh, for the sake of time, since I know both of us have appointments after this, I wanted to talk about what, what it means to rewrite your story. Like, let's say you're working with someone, you take your experiences, you talk about keeping that pin in your hand. If you're working with someone who is having some kind of challenge, they're facing whatever adversity in their life, what is it that you do with them? How do you help them to rewrite that story and create a more compelling and empowering one? Before we start any type of goals whatsoever, we got to feel right inside of us. So first things first, we got to build that self-esteem. Because when you build that self-esteem and you feel good about yourself, when you hit challenges, you're going to do whatever it takes to get over those challenges because you feel so good about yourself and you, and you found that purpose. You found what you want to do and nothing's going to stop you. But if you do not have that self-esteem piece, if you're not there, if you're, not, if you're doubting yourself, a challenge will come your way and you're going to say to yourself, you know what, maybe I don't even want to do this. You're going to start to come up with excuses and you're going to stop doing what you're doing. So the first things first is we got to build a foundation. We got to build our self-esteem up so that we're ready to take on those challenges, ready to take on those goals. And we got to do that with having our self-love. We got to love ourselves, warts and all, not who we were in the past, not who we want to be in the future, but right this moment, right now. Mm. What are some things that someone can do to grow their self-esteem? I think that there's a lot of people who hear the words, you got to believe in yourself. They hear the words, you need to love yourself, but they go, okay, I get it. But what does that look like? How do I do that? What are some tips and, and uh, pieces of advice that you have for someone who may be thinking that? Well, something I do. Um Every, every day, and I have my uh, clients do as well, is before you start your day, whatever that routine is, take a few minutes to think about what is going right in your life right this moment. Write it. I, I, I like to write it down. Some people don't, but think about it. And each day, think of something different. There's always something different to be grateful for. And what that does is that starts to prime your brain to look for the good that happens in your day. You could get something on your phone that says free coffee up. The day keeps getting better and better and better because we can go the opposite way, right? We can be thinking negative all the time and we could be driving to work and we could get a flat tire and go, just my luck. This would happen to me. And I would say to that person, yeah, it's your luck because you're looking for the negative. The, 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 that's why it's happening. How many times do you buy a car and now you drive that car around and you see that same car all over the place? You didn't see it before you bought the car, but you see it now. It's the same thing with your mind. You go, your mind seeks what you're thinking of. And if you're, you're seeking positive things, positive things will come your way. If you're thinking negative, negative things will come your way. So it's important that we rewire our brain to start pointing out all the positive things around us. I know it's not easy but we can do it day by day and build ourselves up with that. 
Now, I have a philosophical question. I'm curious. You know, I, I, I like, yes, this is an interview, but I, I like just having conversations that just happen to be recorded. I'm curious your thoughts on this. When you say you think positive thoughts, positive things come to you, do you think that literally positive things come to you that wouldn't have come to you before? Or do you think that because you are looking for the positive, you just see the positive that maybe it would have been there before, but you just wouldn't have noticed it. Does that make sense? You know, you know what I'm asking? Yeah. Would, and I think it's think both ways. Right? I think it's both oh, ways. Great. I think both ways can happen. There's some little things that will happen that you're looking out for because your mind's going that way. But because you have such a good vibe, other people are picking up on that energy and yeah. will be attracted to that energy. And as a result, these good things will happen to you because you're attracting other people that are building other good energy together that you wouldn't have had if you had that negative energy. So both yeah. ways are, are possible. I, I completely agree that it's not just, it's not just, um, there was a while where I saw it as well, whatever you look for, you see, and that's, that's what it is. There's so much good all around and there's so many problems all around. Whatever you focus on, you tend to see more of. I believe that to be true. Absolutely. However, I also believe that the vibration that we put out, the energy that we put out attracts more of that. And it comes to us. Here's a perfect example. I have no idea what these people were doing in, in front of us, but um, so for those who haven't been there, the cantina in the Star Wars land of Disneyland is very challenging to get into. Very challenging to get into. Uh, when we were there, we tried to get in, it wasn't possible. I just took a group there. You and I are going there in, in a couple months. But when I took this group there, there was nine people. And I had tried to get a reservation three months before, two months before, a month before, two weeks before, always full, always full, always full. And then my cousin, Chuck, he goes up to the front of, he goes up to the line to see about the stand, like the, the walk-ins. The person right in front of us says, are you accepting walk-ins? And they say, no, sorry, nothing we can do about it. Then my cousin, Chuck, I don't know if he just kind of, you know, did a, a force wave or trick? if he just had this, this vibe with him. I don't know what it was, but I heard someone else just ask the same question. And then Chuck asked the question, he said, are you accepting walk-ins? We got this group from all over. They're big Star Wars fans. We'd love to be able to come in and see this. And like, literally, this is right after the other person. And then they say, uh, yeah, sure. Can, can you come in now? We say, yeah, we can come in now. And they say, okay, great. Let's go in now. And then he says, there's nine of us. It's not just the, the other group was two. So there's nine of us. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. Come on in. I've never been in there where I had, where I actually got to sit. It's usually one of the standing tables. He gave us our own booth. We had our own booth. We got in there. It was awesome. But I think about that. And for whatever reason, there was a vibe that Chuck was giving off that this other person was not. And I don't know what it is. I have no idea. But they let us in when they didn't let the other in. And I go, well, there's something vibrational. So sometimes that has to do with, am I vibrating with a person? 
sometimes it might be I'm, I'm vibrating with a certain energy. I'm vibrating with some kind of opportunity. And I, I just, I think it's absolutely real. I 100% agree with you. It's yeah, it, we attract, we attract it and, and more good things will happen when we get that energy because people are attracted to that. You know, we want to be by people that, that bring us up. We're attracted to that, that feeling. And then if, and, and the opposite way, right. That, you know, if you, if you're with somebody that's, you know, negative and, and putting out that vibe, you want to kind of give them their space. You know, there, there's friends of mine that they are in a bad mood or whatever. And I'm like, okay, man, well, I'll, I'll talk to you later because I want to I want to get away from that energy because I don't want I don't want to have that bring me down. But if they're up, I want to be up with them. Yeah. Has there been an, a time has there been a time in your life where you felt like you attracted success or you attracted something, whether it was negative, positive or indifferent? Was there a time that you felt like that you did manifest something into reality? Uh, yeah, I think a, a lot in my in my other career as as a uh, mortgage loan officer, um, I, I was in a situation where uh, people didn't want me to succeed, but I didn't let that stop me. I did not. I, I kept that vibe up. I kept that energy up and I did everything necessary to change that vibe. So over time with how I interacted with people with a high energy, uh, positive energy, not, not complaining, not worrying about the workload, did what I necessarily had to do to succeed. People started to change their vibe towards me. And so, you know what? I cannot like this guy. He's always upbeat. He's always bringing us up. And as a result, the whole, the whole team that didn't want to talk to me are now coming to me with questions on how I'm able to get loans at such a fast clip. And it was all because of my attitude and how I carried myself. Mm. And, and I feel that way, way today when I, you know, talk with clients, they're like, Paul, after the phone call with you, I feel like I can do anything. I am fired up. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. You have a certain vibe about you that just, just makes me want to just go out and breathe fire and go after it. And, and, and I love that. That's awesome. I love that. And what's so cool is that you're able to stay so positive all the time. Uh, question. I'm sure that our listeners are, are curious about this is cerebral palsy still affecting you in your life as an adult. Is it something that is still has a physical effect on you? Yeah, absolutely. I still walk with a slight limp. I still hold my right arm a little differently. And uh, I don't probably type as fast as other people, but um, I don't let it limit me. I don't I don't really think about it that much uh, anymore. Uh, I've ran a marathon. I've done everything I wanted to do. I've done. So uh, I don't let it affect me. I really don't think about it as much as I did. But you know what? The great thing about this now is um for the longest time, Jake, I don't want to tell anybody that story about having cerebral palsy nah, because all through growing up, all I wanted to do was fit in. I didn't want any special treatment. I just wanted to be treated like everybody else. So just the thought of talking about having cerebral palsy, I was scared to or was ashamed to. If I was walking with a limp, I just made up some silly excuse, softball injury, whatever, because I didn't want to go there because if I did, I would be near in tears. But mm. Because of when I got into coaching, I thought to myself, how are people going to be vulnerable with me if I'm not vulnerable with them? Why would they open up to somebody that's not open to them? 
Like I wouldn't want to work, work with a coach like that. So I thought the only way that's going to change is if I be vulnerable and I share my story and it's opened up doors that never would have opened if I was not vulnerable with my own story. Now oh, that's amazing. I didn't know you ran a marathon. That's incredible. Yeah. LA marathon, not, not too far from your house. Yeah. When, when, when did you do that? Uh, 2005. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's amazing to be able to say that you went from not supposed to being able to walk doctors telling you you couldn't walk needing surgery to be able to even walk and not walking until three years old and then running a marathon that right there is not accepting limitations yeah yeah i mean it was one of the hardest things i've ever done in my life but again no it was the same thing i i hit a wall at mile 18 and i'm thinking to myself i just ran 18 miles and I got, and I got another 8.2 to go. I'm like, I don't know about this, you know, but I, but I just thought, you know what? I, I, I can't stop. I got to keep going. I thought about my, I thought about myself the next day going, really, Paul, you stopped in mile 19. Come on, man. Come on. I, I was thinking about my future self going, man, no, don't let the, don't let future Paul down. Do not do it. Do not do it. And just that, that, just that, 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 that message in my mind was like, I got to keep going. I got to, I got to make it. And then when I started hitting uh, mile 24, 25, that, you know, starting to get that adrenaline and start going hard again. And, and, and I did the Kirk Gibson as I was running into the uh, finish line with the pump. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, my Dodger hats over there. Yeah. Well, I got that right there. So go Dodgers. Yeah. Um, with, with that being said, I mean, that, that's such a great thing. How are you able to stay so positive, even though you have something that plenty of other people would let control them? There's plenty, plenty of people in this world who let far less significant things control their lives. And you've been able to stay positive no matter what, even though life gets crazy sometimes. So how have you been able to focus on the good and stay positive even with all of that going on? Because I have a great life, Jake. I have an awesome life. I have a mom that loves me, who supports me, whatever I want to do. I, I, I've made some financial decisions where I was able to pay off my home. So I, I, I live in my home mortgage-free. I have great friends like you, Jake, that keep me going. There's so many things in my life that are positive that I just focus in on that. And the small little bad things are, are just pebbles that, that I don't let bother me on a day to day. Mm, that's such a great thing. What advice would you have for someone who right now is going through that challenge? If someone's going through, you know, you talk about your challenge, your inspirational story happened as you were younger if someone's going through some kind of challenge right now, whether it's physical, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a, a career, they lost something, the business or whatever it is, what advice do you have for them to get through this, to keep going, to get up and keep moving forward? The, the first thing I would say is stop being yourself up. I think we beat ourselves up when we're in those, that funk, whether it be in our career, whether it be in our personal life, we beat ourselves up. We don't need to beat ourselves up. We need to be our biggest cheerleader. So first thing first is say, you know what? Things suck right now. And, and I'm a human being 
and I'm out and it's okay that I feel angry and sad. I don't have, you don't have to bottle those feelings up, but after a while, when you feel angry and sad, you're going to say to yourself, you know what? I don't want to be that way anymore. When you allow yourself to lick your wounds, there's going to be a point where you're like, okay, I don't want to feel that way anymore. How can I change that? And that's when you start to think about what is going well in your life right now, whatever that is. It could just be, I have a bed to sleep on. It could be as I have food to eat, grab on to something, just one little thing, and then make that small little step. Boom. Okay. All right. I made it through that day. What can I do tomorrow? What small step can I do tomorrow? Boom. I hit that. Ooh, now I'm getting momentum. Now I'm getting momentum. I'm feeling good. Boom. Make another step, another step, another step. And all of a sudden, you're halfway up the mountain. Love that. That's wonderful. Well, Paul, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, if people want to find out more about Paul Fortune and rewriting your story, uh, keeping that pen in your hand, how can, they, how can they do that? What can they do to find out more? Uh, two ways. One is on my website. I'll call to action.coach. I have a free ebook on how you're able to rewrite your story, how in depth I was able to rewrite my story and how you can maximize your day. It's free ebook, a call to action, not coach. And I have a Facebook group called Rewrite Your Story. And it's a wonderful group. People from all over the world share what's been going on. There's no judgment, only support. We're only there to support each other. We have monthly meetups where we get together live and we do the same thing. We just support each other. We bring each other up. So rewrite your story. Facebook group is another way to get in touch with me. And uh, I really appreciate our conversation today, Jake. Uh, fantastic, Paul. Well, thank you so much for being here. Everyone listening. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, let me know on social media what you liked about it, uh, what takeaways that you had from it. Looking forward to hearing from you there. Paul, you have a wonderful, wonderful day. You too, Jake. Thank you. All right. See you guys later. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. Hope that you got something great out of it. And most importantly, I hope that you're going to do something differently because of this episode. I hope that you are going to apply this information. Now, if you have a goal that you want to turn into your reality, then come and join us in the number one goal 30-day challenge. Head over to yournumberonegoal.com to come and join us in the number one goal 30-day challenge.